0: Isaiah, welcome into the Roundtable. I am Bill Priestley, and we've had some very interesting economic situations to deal with over the course of the past, say, year or so, and that's resulted in some rather interesting decision-making at the top of not just the smaller and the mid-sized companies, but also at the big wigs as well. We would like to talk a little bit about kind of the idea of leadership at that level and what's going on uh, at the top echelon of the freight uh, food chain, if you will. Joining us, Mark Solomon from Atlanta, Georgia, our senior staff writer there, and also here in studio, Tony Mulvey, our lead analyst here inside the studio. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here for this one. Um, Let's start off with FedEx. And I know that, uh, uh, Mark, you and I have talked at length about FedEx and and the situation that they are dealing with right now. Obviously, Fred Smith retires, moves on. Uh, Raj Subramanian comes in, And uh, not necessarily due to any decision that he has made, but they've hit some turbulent moments and uh, and certainly some economic forecasts that they weren't necessarily looking forward to. And that's put made some puts a lot more pressure on him. Uh, We just heard actually within the last half hour or so that FedEx is now moving its maintenance department from LAX and consolidating it into Indianapolis. So another major move there uh, made in these tougher economic times. As you look at FedEx right now, Mark, what is it that – that what kind of pressure is Raj under as he continues to move FedEx forward? And, and as you said last time we talked, try to right this ship in the direction they want it to go.
1: Raj is under tremendous pressure basically because he's not Fred Smith. And mm-hmm. Fred retired from the CEO job And uh, he had it for 50 years and left it for Raj to run. Well, uh, it didn't take long for the economic environment to go south, particularly uh, the Trans-Pacific air cargo market eastbound, which is a big, big part of FedEx's operations, specifically FedEx Express. Uh, Nobody expected it. Uh, if they did, it was not, the magnitude was well beyond what anyone had, had considered. Uh, it happened quickly. The company was unable to reduce its costs fast enough to offset the declines. So basically they needed to act and there were a number of factors going into Fred, excuse me, into Raj's thinking. The most important aspect of what Raj is doing right now is a program called Drive. It's supposed to save two billion dollars a year over the next two fiscal years, so annualized four billion dollars. A lot of cuts, a lot of well, a lot of not a lot, but a number of planes being parked, a number of uh, you know vehicles being operations being reduced it's really what raj is staking much of his legacy on is to see drive function as both not only a cost-cutting measure which the company needs to do but to establish a more agile nimble and efficient operation
0: yeah um, Tony, uh, what, what, what kind of pressure is right under right now? I mean, I think when you look
2: at the freight market or the overall market, I think he's under pressure from that specifically, but I mean, you, as Mark alluded to, I mean, he's under immense pressure. I mean, he's do, he's kind of putting, I don't want to say he's putting all his eggs in one basket, but it, it's very similar to what we've seen other CEOs make. They're basically making a bet. And if it pays off, it's going to pay dividends for him and the company at a whole. But if it if it doesn't, like it's his kind of legacy and ultimately the future of what happens. I mean, FedEx isn't. I mean, they're still what the largest or second largest logistics company, and definitely in the country, but in the world. Uh, I mean, you're talking what this cost cutting measure is needed, and ultimately, it's gonna you're going to need to.
0: That's maybe the easiest way to get this ship. Going in the right direction. Moving on, let's move on to uh, to C H Robinson and also the the situation that they find themselves. And obviously, Bob Bisterfeld, uh was fired and out of the CEO role. They're looking for a CEO, possibly a president there as well. Um, Mark, as you look at that situation, uh, there there were some names out there. I know that there was at least one front runner uh, that was going to be in that that position, or at least thought to be in, in in the in the front running position for that. There, what pressures is that person? Going to have, especially with shareholders that are used to, well, at least they're coming off of this tremendous high and, and they're not seeing it necessarily now?
1: Well, the pressure on whomever succeeds, Bob, will be to, I guess you want to call it, create a hard pivot to better and more cost effective. Technology. Bob was heading in that direction, uh, along with ha- having to reduce headcount. Uh, but again, Bill, I think you're looking at a situation where business isn't great, and transportation. When you learn, you know, coming to the business, you learn in one hundred and one that it's derived demand, and if business is not great, or it, we're on the other side of unsustainable demand from the pandemic. Uh, there's really not a lot a CEO can do now. Again, that said, I think people were maybe kind of upset that, that Bob did not see this happening faster than it did. Uh, he probably didn't understood well he, he didn't grasp the severity of it and it's not I wouldn't say it's his fault it's just that you're a publicly traded company you're held to account by multiple stakeholders uh, and I, I think the company felt that at that point in time they needed to make a change and I think with the new with Jim Barber who was supposedly the heir apparent you're going to get somebody who knows just about everything there is to know about Robinson's business from his decades working at UPS.
0: Excellent, there, um, Tony. Looking at CH Robinson again, a, a, a it was a, it seemed to be a rather quick decision to get rid of Bob, and and now they're moving on. What kind of pressure do you see the next person yeah having there? Uh,
2: it's it's so CH when they kind of put one under this technology-forward kind of approach for this major investment, right? We're talking, it was what, a billion dollars over five years trying to drive efficiencies, and you start looking, digging into what they, in their earnings, like you could find, there was a statistic that they regularly published. It was number of shipments per person per day. That statistic, when the freight market started to turn, that statistic kind of went away out of their earnings release, and you start to think, as a whole, the technology was supposed to make that number continue to rise, and, and it's like the conti- this implementation of technology that they were trying to do kind of floundered. What that challenge is is going to be all the investments and talk and and kind of hype has been around building these, not even just digital freight brokers, but making technology kind of the forefront. Obviously, freight is a very personal; it's a personal very human capital reliant industry but taking some of those touch points out the the painstaking processes making allowing their ultimately their brokers to focus on securing new customers finding that capacity merging those two together Mm -hmm. without having to ultimately suffer which is kind of what's happened Uh, the the technology wasn't I guess it's beneficial as what they thought it was going to be, that's what the challenge is going to be to make it beneficial.
0: Let's move on to U.S. Express, and and I want to move make this kind of in the scheme of of basically all large companies as well. Obviously, it was a company that did not perform when it should have. Uh, Zach Strickland said, I think rather uh, eloquently, uh, you know, when you don't necessarily make that much money in one of the best freight markets ever, uh, that's certainly a sign that things weren't going well possibly a, a a a situation where you have a failure of leadership um when you look at that situation mark and just in terms of ceos across the board you already kind of alluded to this a little bit that you can't really you can't change the demand if you obviously if you could then you'd be making money hand over fist but ceos collectively at a whole especially at these larger companies uh is What's the biggest fear right now that they need to be concerned with, not only to keep their companies online, but also to keep their jobs?
1: Uh, Well, let me preface it by saying I do not cover U.S. Express. I had in the past prior life or in a prior life. so I didn't uh, necessarily
0: have to allude to them at all.
1: (laughs) So um, I believe that companies... Company CEOs just need to have a vision. I know that sounds trite and generic. They need to have a vision that they could keep through good and bad because there's it's a cyclical business and they're just, you know, in a situation where you have to be, you know, you have to maintain, I guess, a clear set of values, a clear set of purposes it's. I guess the question is: Are you the right leader, not only for good times, but bad? Yeah. And I, I just that that's really the best thing they can do because there's there's nothing you can do. You can't generate business if business isn't there. Yeah. And so what you need to do, in fact, in some cases, if you see an opportunity to grow. Your business through an acquisition, then you take it. Yeah. If not, you just steer through the bad times with a clear set of values and, and principles.
0: Tony, let me go real quickly to you. What's the biggest pressure right now on CEOs in downtime? Uh, I mean, it's just making sure you're,
2: like you said, you're aligned across the board, right? I mean, if you're, you're trying to reduce those costs, because obviously revenues, it may not take a hit, but it's going to be tougher to come by. And you just, you try to weather the storm. I know you may, they talk about it, the cyclical nature, but it's who's actually acting and understands that it's cyclical and not just making it yeah. uh, kind of this speech to, to
0: the public uh, and actually live that cyclicality. The tough road of the CEO. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. All right. We'll continue on with more here on FreightWaves. Now back over to Kayla Next, with the last check of headlines.